Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not in a hurry this morning. I want the Holy Ghost to have his way this morning. I want God to do exactly what he wants to do. Hallelujah. You know, a couple of uh, years ago, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's been about seven years ago now, maybe six or so, I uh, went to, uh, as part of my trip, one of my trips to Russia, we, uh, we went to Kazakhstan for about a week. And as some of you know, that's really my roots, my, my, on my father's side. Um, you know, I'm, they call me Russian, you know, they call me the Russian spy, but, um, you know, I never really felt accepted in Russia be, just because of, you know, my, um, uh, you know, I have Asian features and, um, you know, I'm not a typical, I don't have a typical Russian name, I don't have a typical Russian, um, you know, features and, um, and so I was excited to go back to uh, to the place of my roots, to the place of uh, where you know where, where I'm originally from, and um, and so you know I've been to Uzbekistan, and that's where my my father lived, and but uh, Kazakhstan was his nationality, Kazakh. He was a Kazakh, and so um, I was excited to. I've never been there, and so it was good to to go there. And I thought finally I'm going to go to a place where I'm going to be accepted. And so when I got there. Of course, uh, they they told me go back to America, American. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I didn't fit in there either. But you know what? One of the greatest things that Jesus did for me is let me know that I'm accepted right. as His child, as the part of the church. And this is one place that I can I can always feel the love of God. I can always feel the embracement. Always feel the healing and and the, just the fulfillment that nowhere else I could find. And I'm thankful this morning for that. Aren't you? Aren't you? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You'll never find anything sweeter than being part of the church of God. Yeah, I have a couple of prayer requests. I know we prayed several times this morning, but I got a couple of to the scripture this morning. Matthew, the 28th chapter. I'm going to be talking about a uh, very familiar uh, subject this morning, and uh, I don't want you to turn me off and because there's some things that I believe we could all learn. And we are continuing the, um, the series on the New Testament principles, and this morning we'll be talking about the principle of baptism. And turning to Matthew 28, chapter Chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, beginning with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Mark, the 16th chapter. Please bear with me. There's a few scriptures I want to go over. Matthew, or Mark 16, 15 through 18. Beginning with verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Luke, the 24th chapter. Luke 24, verses 26 through 20, or 46 through 49. Let me actually turn there. It's going to be a little bit longer than what the lesson is presenting here. This is, a, this is one of my favorite scriptures. And as we learn later in the lesson, this, uh, this goes exactly along with, with Acts 2.38, our favorite scripture in the Bible. Uh, so beginning with verse 46, chapter 24, Luke, and this is Jesus speaking, these are words in red, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, this is speaking of Christ, among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, and, ye shall, and you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. Finally, let's turn to Acts 2, verse 38. I think we should be able to say this by heart. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Would you lay your Bibles down and let's ask the Lord to speak to us this morning, to give us revelation, understanding. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the Word of God, Lord, which is quick and sharp. And, oh Lord, oh Lord we thank you, Jesus. It's powerful, God. And we ask, Lord, that you, oh Lord, would open our eyes, open our hearts to receive your Word upon good ground, Lord, that it may bring forth fruit, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. God, ingrain this in our hearts, Lord. Teach us your truth. Teach us your doctrine, Lord, and that is so important in our hour, God. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us this morning in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Would you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as you see it this morning. Please bear with me this morning. I have a cold and <clears throat> trying to... Make it through this morning, and um, I will do my best. Praise God. Traditions. You know, every every family and institution has them. Every every you know every church has them. Every person has them. And interestingly, you know, we we oftentimes as apostolics would think of traditions as as a bad thing, you know. And but interestingly, they they are. They can be good and they can be bad. And, and let me give you an example. You know, there's some things that we do that are not connected to being biblical doctrines or biblical principles, and uh, that we do as a family, that we do as uh, you know, as part of our upbringing or our culture. And you know, for example, I'll and I'm going to open this to an open discussion and let you uh, let you share some of those traditions that you may have. I know Brother Robertson has a tradition on Christmas to to uh, for his, uh, to read scripture and the Christmas story uh, to, with with his whole family, and uh, 
you know, to remember what, what Jesus did and, uh, and his birth. And so, you know, that's a tradition. You know, the Bible does not say that you shall do this every uh, Christmas morning. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's things that we do as the church. You know, we, we stand for the reading of the Word of God when, when, the, when the preacher stands and he begins to read from, from the Bible. We, we stand to honor the Word of God. Scripture doesn't say that, uh, that we, thou shalt stand during the, the teaching of the Word or during the reading of the Word. And so these are traditions, and, and these are good traditions. They, they, they're not contrary to biblical doctrine, but they're helpful. They're helpful to establish values in our lives. They're helpful in establishing uh, order and service or, or honor to the Word of God. Uh, how many know that that's, that's needed in, in, our, in our world today, that, uh, to, uh, that the Bible is just not just a book, but it's a, it's a holy book. It's, a, it's something that will uh, cause us to make it to heaven one day. Amen? So these are good. And can, can anybody else you know, share some of the traditions that you may have in your family, that you do, that, you know, that is, is part of your, your, your upbringing or a part of your faith that you do? Anybody? Oh, don't be shy now. Come on. <laughs> What's that? Those vain traditions. No, anything that's special that you do that relates to your faith, to something that you may do with your family, something that you may do on Christmas or on Easter. or uh, Yeah. Sure, sure. That's that's a tradition, you know, and that's a great tradition. And it really, in a way, it's an apostolic tradition. I believe every apostolic family should do this. Amen. Chia, I think everyone should. Uh, in the word, does it say that thou shalt give grace in the on the table at the table uh, before you eat? That's good. Any anybody else? Any other traditions? Brother David. What's that? I'm sorry. Sure, pray on our knees. You know, that's, the Bible doesn't say that you have to do it, uh, you know, s- standing on your knees or, you know, walking or being at the altar. But that, uh, you know, that helps, you know, uh, in us individually to, to, you know, to find a place of prayer and find a place where we can truly get in contact with God and let him know that we are surrendered to him and that, uh, that this is, you know, that we don't take prayer lightly and that we want God to know that we are submitted to him. Very good. So, you know, what happens, however, when, when there are deep-rooted traditions that run counter to biblical teachings? You know, these, these traditions can become destructive and uh, using their strong influence to lead individuals, families, uh, or churches away from biblical plan of God for them. You know, this is when we must, recon- this is when we must recognize that the danger of traditions and, and reject um, any uh, that are contrary to the principles of the Word of God and fully embrace and commit to the final authority of the Scripture. You know, can anybody think of some you know, harmful traditions that, uh, that are you know, part of, uh, that, that can do this? You know, let me give you an example. Uh, you know, in, in Russia, it's, it's very common to, on, on Easter to, uh, uh, to, to paint eggs and to, um, to build you know, to bake a cake, it's called Easter, and to eat it together, and, uh, you know, uh, and, and unfortunately, those things have a lot of um, uh, idol- idolatrous uh, connections with, with, with those traditions, and so, 
you know, the Bible does not say thou shalt not paint eggs. But if you do enough research, and it doesn't take much, you realize that, that it does have to do with, uh, with the goddess of fertility and it has to do with, with different things that, that, that the pagans used to do. And so we should be careful and, and, and truly study the Word of God to, to see if this is something that, that we should embrace. You know, uh, we have a tradition that when you go to the cemetery in Russia that you, uh, that you put bread and, um, you know, you put sometimes vodka <laughs> and, and seeds, for, you know, for the birds next to the, the, the deceased person's grave. Um, you know, and... You know that, and you know there may be nothing bad about it. But the point is that you are trying to communicate with the dead, which in, in scripture is called necromancy, and it's it's forbidden. It's one of the forbidden practices in the Bible. So doing that causes you to stand in a place of tradition, in a place embracing a tradition, embracing part of something uh, that is ingrained in the culture, that makes it very difficult for you uh, to to you know. Uh, to get away from, but at the same time, it, it draws you away from the biblical truths. It makes the biblical truths of none effect. So anybody else can think of any other traditions like that. That's a... Uh, that's a tradition that you, you don't want to get a hold of because God may do that to you. <laughs> it's God. But uh, you know, any uh, one other tradition that I can um, you know I can think of in, in the Russian Orthodox Church um, is that they um, you know they would kiss the icons. You know, they would they would uh, give homage to the icons. They uh, they would set different things in front of icons, light candles, different things like that. And, um, you know, again, by itself, at first glance, you may think, well, there's, you know, that, that's great. It helps, uh, you know, the icons help kind of visualize the stories of, 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 uh, of Jesus and, and the Bible, biblical events and things like that. But uh, when, when you look closer, you know, this, this goes against the very foundation of the Bible, one of the very first commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before you. Thou shalt have no image or likeness thereof in the heaven or in the earth. So if the Bible says not to do it, you should not do it. It doesn't matter what kind of positive or good things that may come out of it. The, the root of it is that it goes against Scripture. And so we should not do those things. We, this, this is an example of, of some of the bad traditions. And so... Uh, you know that is the the tension tradition creates in both for good for good and for evil, and the only real solution for the believer to maintain his or her biblical uh, biblical balance is to have courage to submit every tradition to the rigorous light of scripture and be willing to accept the principles of god 's word as final authority. How many know that it takes some, some guts, it takes courage to walk away from some of those unbiblical traditions? I remember when I first walked into, came into the church that, uh, you know, I, I came up, grew up with uh, some, some background in Russian Orthodox. And, you know, my mom would send me, um, you know, crosses and she would send me uh, icons and she would send me different religious, you know, symbols and uh, items uh, that, uh, you know, I, I held dear and... 
you know, I, some of you may remember when I first came to church, I had about three different crosses that I was wearing on my neck. And, you know, I'm thankful that nobody in the church judged me or, or told me that, you know, was harsh with me about those things, but let God deal with me about those traditions. And eventually, you know, somebody did teach me about it. And I heard the teaching that, you know, this, it doesn't take the cross to prove that you're a Christian, but it's, it's, it's what, it's your sacrifice that you give that really proves that you're a Christian. And so, you know, it, it, it took me some courage. It took me really understanding that, you know, if I'm going to be a Christian, if I'm going to surrender myself unto God, if I'm going to call myself Christ-like, if, if I'm going to call him the Lord of my life, that there should be nothing, nothing that should stand between me and him. And I should not be, you know, should, I should not be afraid to, to throw away, to cast out, to destroy, to, to do whatever it takes to get some of those things out of my life. To get those things out, it doesn't matter how holy they may look. So it, it took me throwing away, literally going into the trash can and throwing some of these things away because I understood some of the idolatrous associations that these things had in my life. And, you know, of course, you know, I felt awkward. I felt like, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm giving up on my traditions. I'm giving up on, on something that seems holy, has always felt holy to me. But as soon as I got the understanding that... It is not the images, that God does not want us to look to images. God does not want us to look to traditions, but it is the Word of God that we are to follow, that, that, we, that our relationship with God is based on, on the Word of God and our obedience to the Word of God, and that He is pleased when we obey the Word of God and not some of these traditions that are uh, you know, um, created by our culture, by our, our upbringing. Um, that are very hard to to get away, that create that tension, that create that that pressure upon us, and and so it does take courage, and uh, uh, you know. But when when we do, there's a feeling of such liberty, and and the Lord truly is pleased with us, it, it, you know. And 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 understanding that it is the Word of God that makes is the final authority will bring you a long way. Praise God. And. You know, that's, that's, this is a very unpopular message nowadays, you know, especially when, you know, we are to embrace every culture, every tradition, every uh, sex, and, you know, uh, we're, we're not to be uh, demanding that, uh, you know, that, that, that there is absolutism and, and that the Bible is the sole authority. But, you know, and current economical trends have diminished the one's ardent passion churches felt about uh, cardinal biblical doctrines, you know, the, the biblical teachings that, that, that were so important to each and every uh, body of, of believers. And among them is the doctrine of water baptism. However, this, the, uh, this diminishing passion for the doctrine of water baptism must not appear among oneness Pentecostals. This is one thing that we cannot, we cannot compromise on. Uh, you know, and... Uh, who you know we've embraced this biblical uh, mandate of water baptism from the time of the birth of the church. You know this is not a, 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 a late doctrine, but this is something that that the apostles embraced. This is something that Jesus embraced. This is something that John the Baptist embraced as very very important. And as Jude urged the, his believers to uh, his believers to uh, excuse me. As Jude urged his readers, uh, so apostolics today must earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. 
This doctrine was delivered to us and we are to hold it with, with the highest regard. We are to guard it with the, with, with the utmost courage and, and, and in, the, in the face of any, any, any distraction, any, in the face of uh, any opposition in the world today. The gospel of Jesus Christ has not changed since it was originally taught by Jesus Christ uh, to his apostles who, uh, who then preached it in Jerusalem and regions beyond. We too must continue to preach it and to teach it as he delivered it. And when it comes to the subject of water baptism, there, there are, as Nelson, uh, Nelson's illustrated Bible dictionary suggests, widely differing interpretations. You know, different churches believe different things on, on baptism. And, uh, you know, even among Christian groups, that, that's very common. And many evangelical churches believe water baptism uh, to be just a, you know, a rite of initiation into the church, that it's something that you do on good conscience if you want to be part of the church. Um, you know, on, on, on another point, some contend that only that the only valid uh, Christian baptism requires the triune formula of the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, while others only uh, believe only valid baptism requires the name of Jesus Christ and not the titles. Whatever the argument, there is uh, but one reasonable source for determining sound doctrine, and that's the Holy Bible. That's the Word of God. That the, it's the Scripture. And God's Word is the only sure foundation on which uh, to build our eternal hopes. And Matthew 7, 29, 21 through 29 uh, tells us about that, 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 if, that we are to build uh, as, as a wise builder on, on the strong foundation. If we build our house on the sand, it's going to be washed away when the winds and the, and the, and the, and the problems come. Then, then our, we have no foundation to stand on. But if we build ourselves on the Word of God, then, uh, you know, on, on rock Christ Jesus, then we will make it through and we will be able, we'll have a sure foundation and we, we, we know uh, what, what our beginning is. Uh, only pursuing and embracing biblical truths can shield us from the deception of false teaching. You know, doctrine is the only thing that can help us uh, to, you know, uh, to stop, abstain from, from the deception. You know, for example, those believing salvation is, is a matter of faith alone, uh, maintain water baptism is a, is a non-essential, saying that, you know, what is the need for water baptism? Um, you know, they, they contend, are we saved by grace or, or water? Uh, yet, you know, but according to Scripture, the evidence of, of, of saving faith uh, appears in how we respond to God's word, according to James 2 and 14. You know, James taught that it, uh, that it's not just your faith that will save you, but it's it's the faith mixed with works that 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 is going to save you in the end. You know, and since baptism was was commanded, not suggested, both by uh, Jesus Christ um, in Matthew. 28:19, Mark 16:15, uh, and the apostles, according to Acts 2:38, Acts 10:48, 16:32, um, 19:4 and 5, 22:12 through 16, it becomes a matter of obedience. It's not a suggestion. It's not something that you you know you do just because you you want to be part of the church or want to be accepted or or have good conscience. You know, our obedience is a matter of faith. And, you know, that's so unpopular in our world today, that, you know, that says that you, as long as you're sincere, as long as you believe, as long as you have a good heart about it, that you'll be okay. 
But we find out from the very first beginning of, of Scripture, beginning of, of biblical uh, um, teaching through Cain and Abel, that, you know, that it wasn't good enough to have a sacrifice. But it took the right sacrifice, that it took obedience on, on his part, on, on Abel's part, to, uh, to, to bring the right sacrifice and to do it God's way and not the way that we imagine it. And so that, that teaching, that, that, that doctrine, that understanding is, is seen throughout the Bible, that God would rather see obedience than, rather than sacrifice, and, uh, you know, that he is pleased with that. And, and you know, and, uh, you know, obedience is very different from works. How many know that? That just because you are obeying Scripture and being baptized, that is not a work. That is obedient faith. That is, that is accepting, uh, well, you know, the grace that God has given you to wash away your sins and to, be, uh, and to obey through your faith and to be baptized. So, uh, you know, instead it, it agrees with it, you know. It, and believers submit to water baptism because uh, both Jesus and his disciples commanded it. Because Jesus taught and commanded that we respond with obedience. And, and, you know, thus water baptism is an act of obedience uh, to please God, uh, according to Hebrews uh, 11 and 6. You know, one cannot claim uh, Jesus Christ as his Lord while at the same time failing to obey his word. You know, that's, that's not possible. Uh, further, we should uh, remember it is possible for people to have uh, an incomplete salvation experience um, lacking a proper baptism. You know, how many know that you can be half born into, you know, half born? And um, we see this in, in Acts, the 19th chapter, verses 1 through 6. So let's, let's go ahead and read that. And it came to pass that while, at, uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. These were disciples of John. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said, Unto him, we have not so much heard where there be, where there, whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And this is talking about John the Baptist. And then said Paul, uh, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So, you know, if, if it wasn't essential, or if it didn't matter how you were baptized, as it is so commonly, you know, believed in our, in our church world today, that, you know, if you want to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, it's okay. If you want to be baptized in the, in the name of Jesus, it's okay. If you want to be sprinkled, it's okay. If you want to be, um, you know, buried completely in sub, uh, submission, uh, submersion, it's okay. Uh, you know, if it, if it didn't matter, then, you know, if the Bible doesn't say that it matters, then that's okay, you know. But just like, you know, those traditions that if, you know, if the Bible is not contrary to them, then we're okay. But here we see clearly that there were believers that were, you know, that, that obeyed what, you know, was the plan of God. How many believe that John the Baptist was the greatest of the, of the prophets? You know, the, 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 Jesus said that he was the greatest among all women, that, you know, all of the pro- born of the prophets. Um, so he was a very, very important man. And they, these were disciples of John. They were baptized. They obeyed what, 
what, uh, what was expected of them. But yet in the New Testament, when they were faced with, you know, with Paul and, you know, when they came uh, to meet the true believers and, uh, you know, and they said, and they asked them point blank, they said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, well, you know, we never even heard about it. Um, we don't. We didn't know that it was it still. It was available. You know. We know that John preached. He said, "Mightier than I cometh, and you know, whose who's shoes I'm not able to loose, and um, you know, he will baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire." So we know it's coming, but we didn't know it was out. We didn't know it was available to us. And so when they heard that it was that, and that they were supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that's they obeyed and they re-bat, were rebaptized. It was essential enough for them to be rebaptized the correct way, the, the proper way, in order to fulfill New Testament requirements. And so the biblical response to the Gospels is to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, according to Acts 2.38. Anything less is an incomplete salvation experience. And you know what? There's nothing worse than than not having, uh, you know, a full, the full thing. It's not only having a piece of cake and, and not be able to, you know, enjoy the rest, or, or you know, just not starting a job and not finishing it all the way. And you know, but when it comes to our salvation, how much more is it important to do it the uh, the rest of the way? To not stop the halfway, not only repent and, and expect God to 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 uh, to accept us when it comes. Uh, time for us to to leave this earth you know i want to be ready i want to be prepared when jesus calls my number and i want the complete experience i want to i want to receive everything that god has for us and you know it's so silly that people say well uh, you don't have to be baptized no 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 you you get to be baptized it's a privilege it's not something that that is burdensome or that something that we should look at as as demanding but but it is something that you get to do do you realize that in the old testament you had no chance that you had no chance at remission of sins that you could not have your sins remitted but today we are part of of, of the time of when jesus shed his blood for our sins and and we are able to accept his forgiveness and accept his mercy and forget Accept the remission of sins through the water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's for the remission of sins. It's not for no other reason. It's not, you know, if the Bible said that it is just for good conscience, then I would believe it. But the Bible clearly says that it's for the remission of sins. That means if you haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that, that means your sins are still upon you. That you have not been remitted from your sins. That you're still considered a sinner in the eyes of God. Praise God. But the good news is that you can be rebaptized at any time in the right formula in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. You know, anything less is an incomplete experience. And Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I don't know how much plainer that can get. It, you know, it, it takes both water and spirit to be saved. Both are essential. You know, and despite of numerous schools of thought, water baptism in the New Testament is not a complex subject. It's not hard to understand. You know, we have heard you know, so many stories of people in the countries that have never had a UPC church, have never had any exposure to, to apostolic faith. 
But when they begin to search the word of God, um, when they come to the, the doctrine of baptism and how to be baptized, they, they do it the biblical way, in the name of Jesus. That's because they didn't have the traditions. That's because they didn't have, you know, they were more concerned with, with baptizing the correct way, the biblical way, than they were with any pressure they may have from the world or from religious tradition that they may have been brought up with. And so it is important. Um, you know, just as Israel was willingly blind to the truth of, of Jesus Christ being their promised Messiah, traditions blind many people to the truth of water baptism in Jesus' name today. You know, we must reject uh, the name, we must not reject the name of Jesus in the water baptism for there is salvation in no other name, according to Acts 4 and 12. If you go ahead and bring that up, PowerPoint. It says, neither is there salvation in any other. The other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Father is not going to do it. Son is not going to do it. Holy Ghost is not going to do it. But there is only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever we do in word or deed, we must do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to Colossians 3 and 17. You can bring that scripture up behind me. You know, certainly, this includes water baptism. It's both word, what you say over the, the person being baptized, and what the person is doing when, he, when he's being baptized. So whatever is done in word and deed, they must do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So why would there be an exception? Praise God. You know, traditional views are hard to break away from, but the honest and sincere seeker must examine the evidence contained in the scriptures. The New Testament makes the matter of water baptism perfectly clear. There is no question about it. Removing any need for verbal, uh, you know, uh, gobbling or any effort to uh, disprove the facts. If, if the person's traditions do not agree with the scriptures, what the scriptures reveal, he must decide whether he will cling to the tradition or embrace the truth. You must make that decision. And, and there's only one true gospel, and to deviate from its precepts it carries very severe consequences. You know, and, and let's bring up Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, and see what, why that is, why those consequences are so great. And, you know, again, if the Bible didn't say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you not being baptized the correct way or being baptized is essential for you to be baptized, it's fine. But, but listen to this. He says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that, is, that, that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another gospel, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. He's saying there's other traditions, there's other ways that, you know, they're perverting that you. And, but, but, through, but though we, and these are apostles, these are men that walk with Jesus Christ, these are the ones that were with Jesus for 40 days before he was ascended to heaven and were taught on the things of the kingdom of God. He said, but though we or another angel, or an angel, even an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. What did they preach? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. 
So he said that if we preach uh, if, uh, that which, you know, unless that which you have preached, until you let him be accursed. As we said before, and he goes on to say the second time, as we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. You know, in Noah's day, God judged sin and cleansed the world, uh, the earth by water, uh, or, or by the flood, the great flood, given humankind a fresh start. And, and so the same way today, God judges our sin and gives us a new start, which includes water baptism in Jesus' name. Let's, let's turn to First Peter 3, 20 through 21. Which sometime were disobedient, but when, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water, or were saved by water. The like figure whereon to even baptism doth also save, now save us, not putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here it actually says, and you know, I don't know how people miss this scripture. They, you know, here it plainly says that a baptism saves you. Baptism is the one essential thing that you must have in order to be saved. Praise God. And we're, we're running out of time, but I, I, one thing I do want to get to, and I, um, uh, if you would, Sister, bring up the PowerPoint that I prepared. Excuse me again for my voice this morning. But, so these are some of the scriptures that we read this morning, and I, you know, I want you to remember these, and I mark them in the Bible if it takes, because... I've seen people that, you know, that, that have turned to God because they, the, the, these scriptures make it so plain and so clear that it, that it takes being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So we, we read Luke 24, verses 46 through 49. Um, and so you see on, on each side uh, two different scriptures and how they relate to each other. And, and so the, in Luke it says, and, it's, and he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among the, all nations beginning in Jerusalem, and your witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with a power from on high. And Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, as you see the highlighted, you know, in, in Luke it says that repentance, it takes repentance, that Jesus commanded repentance to be taught among all nations, and so in Acts uh, 2.38, that's exactly what Peter is preaching. He said, repent. And then uh, in Luke again it says, and that remission of sins, and, you know, what is remission of sins? Uh, up to this point, we don't really know what it is, but if we go to Acts 2.38, it says, And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So that's telling us that baptism is for remission of sins. And so when we go back to Luke, it says that the remission of sins should be preached in titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost among all nations. Is that what it says? What does it say? Whose name? So it, it behold, thus it suffered, 
thus it behooved Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day? Hmm. No, it says in His name. Christ. It behooved Christ. Jesus Christ. There's only one Christ. Jesus Christ. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name. And so... What did Peter say? He said, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And so, going on, it says, the angel will be witnesses of these things, and behold, I sent the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with the the power from on high. How many know what the promise of the Father is? is? What is that speaking of? Holy Ghost. That's, that's, that's something that has been pro- uh, promised from the beginning of time, that, that there's going to come a time when God is going to pour out of His Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And, uh, you know, so that, was, that is the promise of the Father. And that is the power from on high. And you know, in Acts 2.38, again it says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So that was what was preached by uh, Peter in the, in, in the beginning hours of, of church history and so the other thing to notice here is that you know uh, in verse 49 in, in Luke 24 it says but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with the power from on high so and in Acts 2.38 where did that event take place? it took, took place in Jerusalem they were in the upper room in Jerusalem and what were they doing there? No, more, more specifically, what were they doing there? They were tearing, or, or exactly. And so, th- this is speaking of the exact fulfillment. You know, so you can think of Luke 24 as a prophecy or as a commandment. Really, that's a commandment. Um, and and Acts 2:38 is the fulfillment and the obedience of what Peter heard and what Peter knew was the right thing to do. So let's go on to the next uh, next uh, slide. The the other interesting thing here is that. Both events uh, in Luke 24, verses 46 through 49, and Matthew 28:19 are of the exact the same event. How many know what that is? It, it is the Great Commission. So there's three times in, in Scripture and in, in the Gospels that the Great Commission is described, and these are two of those times. This is the exact the same event that is being described in, in different ways. In Luke 24, it says, And said unto them, Thus it, it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the, third, uh, from the dead the third day. In Matthew 28, 19, it says, All powers given unto me in heaven and earth, including to rise from the, third, fr- from the dead the third day. You know, that, that takes some power. I don't know about you, but I think it takes all power, really. <laughs> I don't think there's any power on heaven or in earth or in heaven. I don't, I don't think angels can resurrect the dead. In verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Matthew 28:19 says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Let me know that name is Jesus. And finally, it says, among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And verse 19 says, go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. So this is, these are two exact events. And in verse, you know, in, in Luke, that name is revealed. That name is the name of Christ. That name 
is the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that, that makes me excited. That makes me understand that, that, it's, you know, that Matthew 28 is not just you know, an oddball scripture somewhere that, that, uh, you know, that somehow makes us uncomfortable about our doctrine of baptizing in the name of Jesus. But really, that is the exact thing that, that Jesus said in Luke 24 and 46. And that is the exactly thing that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I'm glad that, that that's clear to me. I'm glad that I, you know, th- there's just no other example. There's no other example of anybody being baptized in the titles Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But there's countless examples in the Scripture, in the book of Acts especially, of people being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and then receiving the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other, other tongues. And so... You know, I heard one, one gentleman, um, I used to work at Boston, and, uh, you know, he, he was a, a minister at a, of a Baptist church, and he, uh, you know, and I brought up a question about uh, baptism in the name of Jesus to him, and, you know, he was studying to go into seminary and things like that, and, um, and I, you know, I asked him, well, what about, you know, the baptism in Jesus' name? What about what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost? Why did he say in the name of Jesus Christ, if the right way to do it is in the titles? He said, well, you see, he was, Peter was very confused at that time. He was, you see, he was, he was suffering terribly. He was, you know, he was uh, in a state of, 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 of mourning and in a state of suffering. And he was, he was just very confused. And, and, and so it took him a while to understand what he was really talking about. But you know what? The Bible says that he and the rest of the apostles were with Jesus for 40 days. Just before that happened, just before Jesus was crucified. No, this was after Jesus was crucified. Before he ascended to heaven, he spent 40 days with them, talking to them concerning the kingdom of God. You find this in Acts chapter 1. So surely, among those 40 days, somewhere, he would have said, baptize this way. Do it in the name of Jesus. Don't do it in the titles, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Do it the right way. I don't think he was confused. I don't think he was delusional. I don't think he was, he was upset. I think he knew exactly what he was preaching. And that was to, to say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands. Let's thank God for the truth of His Word. Lord, we praise You. We thank You. We honor You, mighty God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus, Lord, for the authority of your word, Jesus. We, Lord, we ask God that you would give us the courage to walk away from every tradition, Lord, from every, oh Lord, force God of this world that would not would cause us, oh Lord, to obey you, the truth of the word of God. And Lord, give us the courage, Lord, to fulfill your commission, to fulfill your purpose, Lord, in our lives. Oh Lord, to receive salvation as you would have us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you give a Lord another hand clap of praise? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand, all of it, if you would. I have one question. Why didn't an unconfused Matthew tell him that he'd made a mistake? 
So, I, you know, which is the worst? Matthew must have been a weak sister. He should have stood up and said, come on, Peter, you're doing this all wrong. We're supposed to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, well, I am doing it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. You're just doing it, in a, you're parroting what Jesus said. You know, you're not doing what he said. You're parroting what he said. And that's something. It seems so simple. But men through tradition. I've got a, I've got a, I can't remember exactly the exact date. I think it was, um, and we, the Council of Nicaea, I believe it was when they changed it, but then the Catholic Encyclopedia actually tells you that they changed the mode of water baptism, and the Catholic Church is the ones who changed it from the, the ancient church, and they baptized always in the name of Jesus, and the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D., they changed it to, to Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the reason they changed that is because they were in, in still so much paganism, and still is, uh, in the Catholic Church that they had to incorporate the Trinity, which really is not a Trinity as most denominations call a Trinity, but it's Mother, Father, and Son worship. So they incorporated that. They had to get everything in, and so that, that was brought in, changed uh, to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost so they could still keep up. And you don't really, uh, you know, most denominations, most denominations will tell you there's one God. They just hang on to the tradition of the Catholic Church. And so the Catholic Church still claims all denominations with the exception of the Apostolic Church. That is the one they still claim. So it's a very it's 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 an interesting concept. You get into. I'm glad I know the truth. You know, I, I don't think we say it enough anymore. We all need to be so thankful that we know the truth. Let's come early to pray tonight. Early to pray, and uh, fill out this 30-day prayer and and uh, fasting form. It's coming around. We'll pass it around again. Uh, probably.